I actually picked this story just as one of a throwaway to kind of get things going. And I was gonna I was gonna make the story of how it was such a slow news day that a stupid calendar was was news. I was like someone's just trying to trying to like get some hour and then and then like maybe an hour later I saw another article that talked about Benioff's joke. And I was like, all right, now it's news. <laughs> Not really. And is it, um, uh, is this is like, who is this, Forbes or Business Insider? Clearly someone who... Fortune? Uh, was it Fortune? I don't remember. I think it was Fortune. No, hang on. I thought I... So I think Business Insider did that, but... No, Business rich, Insider. That's the one I saw. Yeah. yeah, so the Fortune one is the one I, th- I think it was Fortune, the one that I saw, where it was just talking about the calendar. Yeah. And, and the, the apparent snub to Salesforce oh, okay. because so the tower no, wasn't You keep saying the, that people have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. okay so Oracle... Produce a calendar, and on the front of it, no, no, or somewhere no. on it. No, let me tell the story because you okay. didn't tell it, and everyone's confused. And we're we have been talking about it for two minutes now. Oracle made a calendar, and we, one of these calendars that have big, you know, a physical calendar. I know the the young ones don't know what the hell we're talking about. A physical cal- people used to hang up calendars like in their garage, right? And this is one of those. And on the cover, I think it was the cover, was a big photo of San Francisco, <clears throat> of the San Francisco skyline, all the buildings and everything. There was one building missing though, and it was. Right. It was the Salesforce Tower, or the, the the building that has been leased, and Salesforce has bought the naming rights to it. <laughs> right, but it wasn't Oracle. It was Oracle. It, it's the Oracle Field. So Oracle bought the naming rights to the ball to the ballpark field. Okay, and the, the that's the calendar. The calendar's for the ballpark. Okay, okay. and so on the cover, it had a yeah. picture of the ballpark in the entire city, and okay. apparently they used the old photo. Oops, it's yeah. an old photo. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Which may have been the case. I, I mean, think there's like cranes in the background where Salesforce Tower yeah. should be. I still see lots of photos without Salesforce Tower. It's like, you know, how long did you, did you see photos of New York when, they, when there's the well, those photos are expensive. When there were still the trade towers. Those photos for, finish for, my sentences, regardless of how much you interrupt me, John. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be That's stubborn. Fine. That's how we do things. <laughs> we got to keep it going. Photos are expensive. You have to license them. And those photographers make them, you know, well, they don't make, probably make a lot of money, but when you're. The license holders do. Exactly. Who they, <laughs> yeah. Just like music. Just like anything. Um, but no, so, yeah, so Benioff, you know, I, did, I honestly, I mean, I'm like, really? That's considered now. Here's what, I, here's my question. This is my Ask John. Business Insider called it a penis joke. Is that the, I always heard dick joke. Is it a dick joke? <laughs> is that more, which is a more of a bad word? I don't even know. Mm, you probably need but to anyway, one of those. I, yeah, I, I don't, are they bad words? I don't even know. And one, one what, is a person's one's name. One is a person's name. And the other one is the, you know. That's what it is. It's a medical it's, term. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> but I'm like, yeah. So, so what? Okay, say what Benioff actually said. He he tweeted right. He, he what did he say? Um, someone has tower envy. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Someone has tower envy, and I guess that's considered a penis joke. I'm yeah. Like really? That's, I don't know. So when I saw the headline, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. This is nothing. Yeah. This is not even. I don't consider that a. I I mean, I guess I know what they mean, but come on. But this is this is what happens <laughs> when you put yourself out in front of um, all these movements and Me Too's and you know equality and all that stuff is uh, you're, you're under a microscope. Well, everyone on Twitter is under a microscope. Well, that's true. So, just you say anything, and everyone gets, oh. gets gets evidence it. that Mr. Jeremy about, Ross does not to, do much on Twitter anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I was about I was about to put myself in that light by saying a a commonly used phrase. Am I going to have to bleep any of that stuff? Uh, no. No. Yeah. I don't feel like they're. I mean, we're. It's it's topical. It's actually topical. So I feel yeah, like we we're should not have cursing to for it. the sake of cursing. Exactly. This is education. I'm simply quoting. I'm not saying myself. Yeah. So that makes it okay. 
So it was the Giants Paw Park. That's what it was. Did you post that we've got a live? I did. Okay. Live. Hashtag live, John. Yep. That's not what it is. It isn't. Oh, no one's here. Yeah, we have one. Oh. (laughs) Oh, one on live. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Um, I have a question for you. Another. There's another Ask John. (laughs) All right. Can I just keep rolling my Ask John? Ask John's all day. (laughs) So I noticed that uh, uh, Illuminated Cloud, not Illuminated Cloud, IntelliJ. Uh Uh-huh. Wanted me to uh, said, "Hey, we've got a new update. Yeah, it's the 2019.1, which I guess is their first 2019 major release of the year. Yeah, you get a fancy new little splash screen. Now, as with OS, I'm still not even on. What's the latest OS? Mac OS, whatever they're called now. Oh, I forgot what the latest one is called. Anyway, I'm not on it. I'm not on. I don't have it's dark like mode. High Sierra Plus or something like. No, no, no. It's got a new Mojave. Oh, yes, yeah, right. Mojave. So I'm on yeah. whatever the. What am I on? What is this one Mojave. called? Mojave. I'm on High Sierra still. And I'm always, I like being about one behind because there's just lots of stuff that you don't realize that it's like, oh crap, it doesn't support that yet. All these little things I use. You can't do that. We live in a world of SaaS. You well, get the latest whether you want it or not. You know what? The, you know what forces me to upgrade when I have to go, when I have to do something with, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the, um, what's the uh, Apple IDE called? Oh, um. Could have told you to. Yeah. You told me. Anyway, anytime I have to like build an iOS project or something, I have to. You, if you want the latest framework support and everything, you have to um, Xcode. Yeah, you have to. You have to have the latest Xcode. I mean, I'm sorry. You have to have the latest Xcode, and in order in order to have the latest Xcode, Apple always makes it dependent on the. I mean, they. Oh yeah. Even if I don't even think it's technically required, like they make it. Just they make it required. Oh yeah, you try to do something in the terminal and you're and it wants to install the instruction. I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta open up Xcode because it must have updated sometime between now, yeah. and I gotta install yeah. the new command line tools. And it's no big deal. It's not like Xcode's a big download. No, it's one in a, only like no, what, it's, it's five gig or something. Yeah, something like that. It only <laughs> takes like what an hour. I know. And then Man, you can get back to work. I uh, there was one time I I think I was traveling to I don't even know where it was Indianapolis <laughs> to do um just to fly in to do a demo of an app and then fly back. Um, but I, f- I had to find the night before because the meeting was in the morning. And so that night I'm trying to do um, a build or something to get it on my phone. Okay. Get the app on my phone. It's an iOS app. And I didn't have the latest Xcode and I could not, I can't remember what, what it was, but I had to have the latest Xcode. And I th- luckily I think my OS was okay. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I remember trying to download many gigs over the hotel Wi-Fi, and it took, I, don't, I think I was up all night. That's when you have to start paying for the hotel Wi-Fi. No, I think I, I think I had. It's just it just oh. sucks. Or I can't remember. I mean, I would have paid. Any, I would have paid for sure. I would you know twenty bucks here, if that gets me the faster. But it, anyway, that was kind of. I mean, I was I was nervous because it, it was a it was a big demo. It was a you know it was a big thing. A lot of people flying in and CEO of a very large corporation, and then a bunch of other managers and stuff. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Apple. You're welcome. So my question to you, to you John, is... Oh, that wasn't the question. No, nah, we haven't got to it yet. <laughs> we haven't even got to it yet. Um, so what we have with this IntelliJ 2019.1 that's come out. Can I upgrade, or should I check with uh, Illuminated Cloud to see if it's safe? I, I've been using it for however long it's been out, a couple weeks. Okay, so my, this is why... Okay, this, this is... I didn't even re- I know about this release until today, but I think that's because I was, it had been bugging me for a couple of weeks to update to, and it was, it was just a minor thing. Like the, the you know, some, the minor ones that can just down a little patch for it. And I finally did that. I downloaded the, it was like the minor update from, for the 2018 uh, version. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things that 
it won't even show you, I think, the major upgrade until you finish your minor upgrade. So I didn't even know 2019 was out because I hadn't upgraded. I haven't I hadn't done my 2018 updates in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then once I did those, then it was like, oh, 2019. So I'm like, wait a minute, I just upgraded 2018. And I was like, oh, that's probably because it just wasn't showing me until. I, I, I don't know if you're safe. I, I, I said you were safe and I don't know if you're safe. I, there, is a, there is a bug and I haven't figured out, figured out enough to be able to report it to who. What, do, we have a, do we have a way to channel Scott Wells? Like a, no. Is there some kind of, woo, not, not till next week. Scott Wells. Not until next week. Um, so what is it, <laughs> Shift-Command-A that gets you the, the, uh, the command prompt in IntelliJ? I forgot what it was. I thought that, I thought that was a search um, for a keyboard shortcuts for like everything. Yeah, but I use system. it as like a quick, I like to type oh, okay. everything. So I use it like a quick command type. Okay, thing. yeah, that's, that's what it is. Okay, and, every, and it'll work the fir- right the first time. And then after that, it kicks out into some terminal command and then some error window shows up. And I don't know if it's IntelliJ causing that or if it's Illuminate Cloud. And I haven't had time to even try to research it to figure out whose it is so that I can know where to report that bug. Mm. So I don't know if it's safe. But that started happening after I upgraded. So yeah, yeah. you might want to wait. Okay. I, I, like I said, I tend to wait anyway. Yeah. Any, any new major release, I'm, I'm going to wait two weeks. It's been two weeks. I actually had searched the, or I went and browsed the uh, Illuminated Cloud Google groups. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't see anything about, hey, don't, don't install this yet or anything. So I assume we're okay at this point. Well, we're on the subject of Illuminated Cloud. I think we're free to talk about something, aren't we? Yeah, uh, yeah, because it was it was announced on Twitter, right? Yep, yep. Go ahead, John. Do the honors. Apparently, he knew before I did. Bastard, <laughs> you're in the club. You're in the know. Uh, yeah, part of the cool crowd. Yeah, it's um at, along with I along with signing my MVP NDA. I signed my. Uh, oh, you Scott, had an IC. Scott Wells. You had an IC <laughs> NDA. My Scott Wells NDA. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, have yeah. So I just wanted to mention and give a big shout out and congratulations to Scott Wells, who I think starting next week will make Illuminate Cloud his full-time job. Yeah, that's awesome. So for the longest time, what is it? How, how long has he been doing this? Three oh, years, years? Four years? Five years? I don't know. I don't know when he actually started. That'd be an interesting question to him. Yeah, so so Illuminate Cloud as a plugin was something he developed, and he has a full-time job. And he's always been extremely responsive on support and everything else. And so I, I don't know how he's done it for so long, but I'm, I'm glad he's going to be able to do that full-time and yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've always wondered, not, I try not to like pry in people's business, but I think I've asked them before, like, hey, how's this thing, how's this thing doing? Is this a business, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think when I asked him, I don't remember, I don't even remember, I can't even tell you what he answered because I don't remember, but I feel like the answer was like, it's not bad, actually. Um, but he, at the time, didn't, didn't have anything to announce or didn't, didn't mm-hmm. whatever, didn't, wasn't comfortable saying anything. Um, but, I, but I did, I think I did know that he was, planning on going full-time, you know, at some point pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, so it's, you know, apparently it's, it's a, um, it's a business, you know, that, that can support him. So that's, that's really cool. And because, you know, you, you wonder on these things, on some of these software products that people do in their spare time, like, is this, is well, this there's also or? competition from Salesforce as well with the free tools and things like I that. I know. But, and it's, that's what I thought of too. It's not just Salesforce, but there's also, you know, well, some of these other things. Yeah. Which, Sound some. I heard some comments that sound like it's kind of fading a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's got some features that uh, I think it's like trying to implement some pair programming features where you have live editing, kind of like Google Docs. Yeah, on both yeah. sides. But you know, they, who the hell wants to pair? They're, they're all trying to come up with features and compete, right? <laughs> yeah, who pair programs? <laughs> pair programs. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and the, I would think the big thing though is uh, yeah, is, is Salesforce. You know, they're 
some apparently I don't I don't use VS Code, so I, I don't haven't experienced it firsthand. But you know they're they're trying to pay back their their pay down their sins of the Eclipse days by <laughs> coming out with a pretty decent like plugin for VS Code, right? And but I don't think it's necessarily trying to trying to get into the market as much as they need to have some kind of free offering because otherwise it becomes a barrier to entry for for anyone who's looking to do Salesforce development and they have to go. Yeah. Yeah, you can develop on our platform, but you got to go buy this tool. Well, you know? and I, and right. So if, if Salesforce wants to consider themselves a platform, then they need to have the tools that people would expect of a platform, right. and they just simply did not. Right. You know, and and I think this is a lot better. Um, yeah, and I think there's going to be room and opportunity for others because others who are focused on that type of product will be able to add features and do things like that. They need a good story. Um, they need a good tooling story. And it's, you know, they, <clears throat> as far as like a, an IDE or editor, I think this is a pretty good start. They, there's other areas of tooling that they're, that they're working on, but still need a lot of help. Um, if they, again, if you want to be, you know, the thing is when you look at tools are important to developers, right? And right. so when we look at, when you look at a platform like you know any of the, any of them, you that's one that's one of the main things you think look at is okay. Well, what's the tooling story? Right, because you may have a great programming language or something, but if there's no tooling support for it, like forget it. I just I've got to get stuff done. I got to be productive, and and you just there's a there's kind of table stakes there that you have to be able to meet. And also nowadays, you know, people tend to not, and of course this this is counterintuitive to Scott's story, but I mean, people don't like developers don't like this is the the perception right out there is that developers don't pay for it. They don't like paying for anything. I know that's the perception, but I've come across so many developers that are like, oh, I, I'll, I'll buy my tools. I know so many developers that will go around and buy their own tools because the company has like this set thing that they want to do or it takes all these approvals. And even though technically they're supposed to get anything they do put on their machines approved, they're like, I, I just, I'm more productive with this. I like using this. Yeah. And a lot of us are very, it's, it's, I don't. I don't know if I would want to draw the analogy to sports, but there's things we like to do. There's there's ways we like to work, and we have tools that meet that need, versus trying to adapt to someone else's yep. way of working. But you know, but the, regardless, I mean, there is um, there's the whole free thing, and and micro, even Microsoft is producing free versions of what's the free version of Visual Studio? Is Visual Studio free now? Uh, well, they have Visual Studio Code, but I thought there was a. Can you do like full on .NET with that? I think you can now, right? You can. Is um, Visual Studio still pay? I think I think the Visual Studio code uses the new core, the .NET core. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, and you can still get Visual Studio, and you can get the Community Edition for free, and then you can okay. pay for the upper tiers. And there's just different well, that's, limitations that's good. and licensing. Um, and, you know, you got in, in the Java space. You know, Eclipse has always been free, but and it's always been a, for, in my opinion, a bit of a dumpster fire. Eclipse getting the right version of plugins, and then. Gosh, you get it done once, and then you hire someone onto your team, and you're like, "Okay, I'm going to get you set up with the same tooling." And then it's like you, you just can't get too matched. It's like it's just a mess. Like nothing. Yeah. It's and then a new version of a plugin comes out, and it breaks your whole stack of Eclipse tools. Um, and and there were solutions to that even in the Eclipse world. Actually, they're I think they're in town here somewhere in Dallas. There's a company I can't think of the name of right now. My is it My Eclipse? It is called My Eclipse, I think, or that's their product. Like maybe their company is a different name, but it's um. It's like a distribution of Eclipse mm -hmm. where they've curated all the right versions of things. And it makes it way, it's a more of a, in terms of like just you install it and it works, it's more of an IntelliJ-like experience. And it was, it was you know, it's not free. It's, they, you pay for that. And then, of course, you have the IntelliJ thing, which they, have, they do have a free, the community edition, right? Which is mm -hmm. quite, quite a nice tool. Um, but if you want 
certain they, they call it like enterprise stuff but just there's a lot of features that if you you want you got you got to actually buy the you know the one that you pay for but it goes to show you though that people do i mean it, uh, what are that what are they called jet brains yeah. i mean kind of a great example of a developer tooling story there yeah um they're you know no uh you know they're a big they're a, kind of a big deal yeah they i think have. they employ like is it in the hundreds of people and they're doing cool stuff like developing languages like kotlin that's that's 100 which is now like I mean, it's almost a it, it's it, it's it's not a, like an Oracle supported thing, but it's right. it's it's kind of as first class as you can get nowadays as a with a as a Java language. Uh, Google has adopted it for the Android project. It's it's it, it is the I think the only first class language. I think it's more supported than even Java is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, either one are fine. Obviously, it, it <clears throat> kind of all boils down to bytecode. But no, it's it just it goes to show you that people, if you give a them a compelling reason. And they're saving them time and money. They will pay for it. Yeah, I mean, I've always said um, that you know, within of course, I, I I pay for IntelliJ anyway. I've, it's always been my tool, not only for Java but for a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and when, when I found out about Illuminated Cloud, I thought, no, oh, okay, I'll take a look at this, and liked it, and and you know, then ended up buying it, and and uh, thought, man, and and then once I, of course, got some experience with that, you know, I, I realized that man, this is. This is some of the best tooling money I've ever spent. Yeah, and if you're going to be doing Salesforce work, you know you want you want good tools, and without a doubt, you know Illuminated Cloud is. I mean, I, I make the I make the license cost back in probably an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. So I think you're the one that introduced me to it, and I'm glad because I think at the time Maven's Mate was going away, I was pretty much just kind of dangling along with that as as far as I could go, and I was kind of looking for a new IDE. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm full full on on the IntelliJ IDE itself. You were um you were quite resistant. I don't want to say resistant. You were just you were skeptical, and probably for good reason. I mean, Java doesn't have a good reputation for having great UI tools or whatever. Great, you know, UI. Yeah, I think in because I saw it as mainly a Java tool, and yep. and, and and it is. It's a jo- it's a Java IDE, and it's and it's even Java, even right. Illuminate Cloud is meant to cater to Java developers and the way it works and the way the the commands work and your hotkeys work and all those kind of things, but. Once I got into it, and when it was really natural, and it felt really good, and I, I still enjoy it. Yeah. There's one thing that, yeah, in Scott's, you know, mission is to make the Salesforce development experience just as rich as the Java development experience on IntelliJ. And you know, that's one of the things. That it's the goal, and it's a, it's a noble and correct goal. It's a huge goal, though, and it's a goal that, not because of any of Scott's limitations, but just because of self. So the, the scalable, dynamic, world's leading metadata-driven platform, the limitations in it. Yeah. Like, for example, I, I think I talked to Scott about this. Maybe this is over our, our Slack. But th- there are situations where, like, let's say you're in a lightning controller, mm-hmm. and there's a method call to somewhere in a helper, in the helper. Um, you hit command B to go to that source of that thing, because you want to see that method. And it brings you up a list of things to go to, because it doesn't, there's... And I think that's I think that's the scenario where you, you see this. It, it can just show you the list of where there in JavaScript there are methods with that name, and you have to pick it. It doesn't know which one, and that's because it. And Scott could probably bake in assumptions, mm-hmm. and I, I actually would suggest he kind of kind of look at that. I don't know, um, but there's really no connection. There's no there's no metadata connection, and there's no in the, in the code. There's actually no explicit connection between, like for example, I hope I'm getting this example right, but like a controller class. Not a class. The controller JavaScript mm-hmm. m- is it a module? I don't even know. It probably is. And the helper module, right? 
There's nothing, and if, if you do a, you know, a tool, look at the tooling API, do a describe or whatever the hell it is in the tooling API, there's actually nothing that connects those two modules. Right. Other than convention. And that's why I'm like wondering, can Scott just say, hey, I'm just going to, maybe it's an option too. Like, do you want me to like, do you want it to more aggressively try to use conventions to connect these things? Yes or no? Because I would probably turn that on and, you know, yeah, no, the knowing that, that every once in a while it's gonna be, there's going to be a false positive, right? Right. It's going to take you to the wrong thing. But I think I think Salesforce has kind of moved the cheese on everyone, and, and we're all trying to chase web components now. So it, it becomes a matter of, okay, how much more do you invest in Aura and the way it works? Oh, Aura's not going anywhere. It's, it's um, yeah, it's not going anywhere. And I, I suspect you'll have the same type of issue with the Lightning Web I don't know, I, I think I think Aura was, was young enough that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff built on it and everything, but I think people have kind of created this cadence of of moving transitioning stuff from from visual force over to lightning and it's not I don't want to I don't want to trivialize it but it's not that much of a difference to to say okay we're going to start using lightning web components over or and start transitioning those as well not that you have to no. but you know if if you're making a change and you're touching an, a, a component as well why not just bring yeah. it forward to yeah. the more more modern technology yeah. Oh, and and I still haven't done much with Lightning Web Commands other than just kind of mess around and watch some some of the um, things on it. But um, it's just from what I've seen, and also having worked with things like React and Vue. I mean, it's it's much more in line with that with modern. Um, I'll call them quasi web components. They're yeah. they look like web components, and they're in some ways they kind of implement the different specifications that are behind the web web components. But uh, they're still proprietary compiling and bits and things that are going on, which is fine. I mean, the, the point is, it's, it's still just a way better developer experience, and it's, it's, it's really close to web components, just like Vue is close to web components. Yeah. It's, not, it's not raw, mm. because the problem is the browser support and everything else. They, they take kind of what, what could be raw web component, but then it, it compiles it down to stuff that runs on all kinds of browsers. Right. Um, they got to stick that's the shiv in there. For, yeah, exactly. <laughs> From a developer perspective, though, it feels if you feel like you're doing web components. It's just that yes, you do have this compilation step where, or whatever, some kind of build step where you're making it, you're you're compiling it down to lowest common denominator. Yeah. Well, I want to pop the stack because I know you wanted to make it this short show. Yeah, this is going to be short. We're, we're, we're actually really, really trying minutes. to make it short. Um, we have it's two community gonna, topics I want to get to. It's going to be a short show only because it has to be a short show. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it has to be. Otherwise, we couldn't do it. It's just not in our DNA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look at this. We talked for like 20 we minutes. We haven't even got to a topic yet. I guess I we've done a couple. I mean. All right. So uh, this is from Justin Milburn. He gave us permission to use his name. He Are says, you sure? Okay. Because there was, I saw one thing come in with the, at the bottom that said, do not use my name. Yes. Okay. You know that? Yes. You got that. Okay. I got that. Great. Thank you. Yep. This is from Justin. First, let me thank you for your show. Uh, should I skip the fluff so we can get? No, I like fluff. I, okay. I, haven't, I haven't seen this. So, okay. Yeah. First, let me thank you for your show. I listened to it on my way to and from work, and you guys have gotten me through many traffic jam with less swearing than would otherwise be coming from my car. Your sense of humor coupled with the real-world uselessness of the topics you cover have helped me both in and out of the office on quite a few occasions. As a matter of fact, I just last week ran into the Visual Force page slash Apex Controller development issue you discussed recently. I think that was your topic. Hmm. And I was able to diagnose the problem immediately rather than beat my head against a wall for hours wondering why it wasn't deploying. What, uh, what, what issue was that? I wonder if they were listening to an older, Justin was listening to an older episode. Because I've talked about before how if you make kind of simultaneous changes to a, a visual force page and its controller, that 
sometimes you <laughs> some sometimes you have to back those changes out and then you, your visual force page has to support essentially both both versions of the apex controller and so you have to like have a version of the apex controller that will compile with the visual force page and then and then you can modify the apex controller it, it's I don't know, i'm not explaining it well but i wonder yeah. if that's what he's talking about maybe yeah, i'm not sure i, I don't you know that's the irritating thing about that is that's to me a horrendous, just atrocious bug. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, whatever. I mean, it's just it's an obvious bug that needs to be fixed, right? But it got it got deprioritized. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of I'm, I'm almost to the point of like a won't. It, actually, I think it did get set to won't fix. I think for a anything while. related to visual forces that don't fix <clears throat> or not fix. The product's not going anywhere. I mean, half of Salesforce still runs. I mean, internal. I mean, that baked in Salesforce stuff still runs on Visual Force stuff. Whether whether or not it's full on Visual Force or just kind of like a container but it, to but bootstrap anything, stuff. Anything with a platform this big that has a reasonable workaround. Which is lightning? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Get it's not a workaround. And I bet I wouldn't be surprised at the same. There, there are similar problems with. I'm trying to think of how that would work, but with lightning, I mean, mm. it's it's kind of just the philosophy, the ethos too. It's like, are you okay with just a really horrible bug in your just the, the uh, just basic compiling of like where your your compiler and your linker can't get dependencies right like just in across two entities a visual force page and a controller is that you said that to won't fix come on i mean i don't know and it's, it's not it's, an it's uncommon thing i hit that all the time it? well if it was dead then i would agree with you but it's not dead it's everywhere it's everywhere, but it's just it's but a, also it inside Salesforce. Compa- inside sales, no, it doesn't. It exists for Dude, fuck, freaking setup runs on Visual Force. No, I'm talking. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's continue because you wanted to be short, and this is your fault. <laughs> a little background for my question: I'm a newly minted Salesforce developer, having just been introduced to the platform at the end of 2017. Welcome to the developer community. I've had a little in the way of training in any kind of software development, though. I'm trying to correct that by attending an online college to get a four-year degree. Wow. That's awesome. That that will be a lot of hard work, but keep your head down. Don't yeah. give up. Um, I I did it that way too, when I was moving around the country and credits from here, credits from there, credits from everywhere, and trying to just get it done. It's hard, especially. I mean, I don't know if it, what his personal family situation is, but it's it's regardless. It's it's hard, but uh, yeah. you can do it. You can do it. Keep going. Uh, he currently says he's two years in. He says, I was tasked to teach myself all things Salesforce and have since heard myself called the head developer for sales, for service cloud work by the project manager. To be honest, it's a bit heady considering less than two years ago I was called, I was a call center supervisor. You want to know how I got my first technical architect John, title? We were trying to keep a short short show, but <laughs> okay, go ahead. That's exactly the scenario of when I first got called an architect. I think someone told me, they called me like a senior developer and then all of a sudden, of a sudden I started becoming a technical architect. It's like these labels start getting thrown around when, and it became like my thing. When people are trying to make money off of you, they'll call you anything. <laughs> <laughs> Meet John, my senior technical architect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that VP of architecture title to come up. Oh, yeah. Or, or what is it? Yeah. C of VP. <laughs> C-level architect. The, the chief. <clears throat> the chief. First chief architect. Yeah, let's make me the chief architect. Yeah, let's start that. that. I like that. Sounds good to me. He says, I'm currently in the middle of discuss uh, discussions around our version control system, remote repositories, and our overall branching strategy for Salesforce de- development. Our current branching strategy is less than ideal with code being merged into the master branch before being validated by the business. We currently have access to one full sam- one full copy sandbox. That's pretty awesome. That's good. That's more than most of us get. That's true. One partial copy sandbox and more developer sandboxes than we can shake a stick at. Yeah. <laughs> Which is more of a hindrance than I than I think a, a benefit. There, those things are getting created left and right, and I have to like 
make an initiative to consolidate. Oh, just because it starts messing everything up. Oh, yeah. And they're named everywhere. Yeah. How would you how would you structure the development workflow to take advantage of the resources we have available to us? Assuming we have enough dev sandboxes for everyone, for every data, for every dev, sorry, to have their own and still have enough left over to almost for give them all, all another one. Um, yeah, that's right up your alley. It is. Um, so I, okay, I don't know what, which strategy they're, they're using for their branching. Um, I tend to like the, I still have kind of a, like the, uh, the kind of the original Git flow model and, I don't know. Let's uh do we have a links thing here? Let's see links. Git flow. By the way, titles. I uh, hope someone is doing titles because oh, yeah. um yeah, you can just Google Git Flow, look at the first or second article, and there's a couple of good yeah. I still like the original the company that um, there's some company that they they published a blog a blog post on there, how they do it. I still like that. Um, and as with a lot of these, the more popular ones, master is considered like what's in production. Right. So you don't merge into master until it's in production or the better thing is when you merge into master, it kicks off a deployment bu- uh, bot that then puts that in production. Hmm. I like that model. And so, so, you know, you might have in addition. So masters essentially is what's in production, which is great because you already, you all, that's how you, if you want to know what's in production, you're, you maybe some, someone's reported a potential bug or something. You can just look at master. That's the code that's in production and you can, you know, whatever you can see what's there. Um, and you might have a dev branch, right? This is a, a I always like to have a dev branch, and that's just where you do your regular development, like for new features and things like that, and known known bugs, whatever. You do it all in dev, mm-hmm. which eventually will, will get merged into master, right? And then if you're doing a thing where like you do like maybe sprints or iterations, typically what you'll do is you'll you do your work in dev, but when you get close to Basically, it's like the starting the QA process for the iteration you've been working on, you you branch off your dev into a QA branch, like a release branch, mm-hmm. um, and that becomes kind of like a the candidate branch for what is going to get merged into master, what will get merged uh, put into production. So maybe that maybe that particular code set gets put on a deployed to like a QA, you know, a QA sandbox or something. Okay, All right, that makes sense. And if you find b- bugs on that, then you can fix them on the QA branch. But the idea is you don't do, you're not doing additional feature development on that QA branch. Like that's basically, it's kind of like frozen except for bug fixes, right? What's good about that is, number one, you can keep doing that. You keep fixing bugs on the QA branch. Um, but you it frees up your dev branch so everyone can also be working. And the guys who are, and I say guys, guys and gals, and and theys and thems and all those, disease the and zays and whatever they, whatever. <laughs> People who are working on the on new features or new bugs, whatever they can, that frees up the dev branch. So that you've split the dev branch and what is going to be the release branch that of the next release that goes to production. Sure. Okay. So if you do end up fixing bugs on the release branch, Git makes it easy to eventually merge those back into dev. So you don't have to. You're not refixing those same bugs in dev. You eventually merge QA back into dev, and you also merge that QA branch or release branch, whatever you want to call it. And it, it, that's what gets merged eventually into master. Okay, so how do how do those branches translate to sandboxes? Well, so usually um, master is is in your production Salesforce instance. Mm-hmm. Um, dev is going to be uh, again the model of really every developer needs their own sandbox, their, sure. own, their own or their own yeah yeah. yeah saying, own if you're like if you got a corporate job, right? So your own sandbox, and then um, the release branch uh, is a QA is like what I usually call a QA sandbox, which is ideally a, a full sandbox. 
So you use your QA sandbox as your release sandbox? I usually have some kind of like QA environment and a, and a staging environment for releases. I, I guess it's, if, it's, if you guys... there t- tends to be overlap between what's in flight for QA and what's approved for release. And if they overlap, you might push things that aren't have not been tested. I guess if you have enough going on that you need a distinction between yeah. what's QA and what is staged but not deployed, I don't I don't have yeah, that. Yeah, because there's difference. a balancing act here, right? You yeah. can't you can't go like, oh I'm gonna do everything and, in QA no, and staging. And the other thing and is this is Salesforce. It's yeah. actually hard as shit to get stuff deployed from one place to another. Yeah. And 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 I think back to Justin's question, we're still on Justin, right? Yeah. Um what if you have what if let's say you have your QA sandbox, right? And you've got your release branch. This is going to be the next thing. But let's say an emergency bug comes up and you want to set that your your full sandbox back to what is in production so that you have an exact copy production, so to speak, right? Um, that you can fix the bug on. This, you know, show-stopping bug that's in production. Yeah. Well, you may get lucky and you you so you check out master and you deploy that to that your Q, your QA sandbox. You may get lucky and that works. Mm-hmm. But there may have been any number of things that you just can't roll back. You can't get back to where you were. Right. And so this is a challenge with Salesforce that we that still has not been solved and it, you know, huge problem, right? Um just the whole I mean DevOps in a Salesforce world is this thing where I mean we're all I've been screaming about it for uh, 10 years, but I, I love the fact that this is becoming a problem for, I mean, just a, there's way more companies using Salesforce. There's, there's way more like good developers who know how this is supposed to be done that mm-hmm. work in the Salesforce space now, mainly because it pays pretty well, yeah. um, that are saying, hey, I want the same experience I had in Ruby or Java. I want, that, I want to be able to have the same processes and, and just qu- uh, quality, like, I don't know, like uh, hygiene, yeah. like DevOps hygiene. Is that a thing? That could be a title right there. Someone write that down. Um, you know, you you want you you want to do a good job. You want to use good tools. You want to, um, you know, it, it it just it results in better quality, more predictability, more you know, less bugs in production, all that kind of stuff. But it's hard to it's hard to take an existing org and move it back to an arbitrary state. This is again, this is basically a solved problem. Now I'll tell you where, and this is the thing is is. It's not like this is just something that Salesforce can easily solve. Um, the the challenge Salesforce has is that Salesforce is everything in one big m- monolithic ball. It's the code. It's the database. It's I mean this this scalable. What, what I wish God well, I need to, I need that on a soundboard because <laughs> he's he used, to say, soundboard it, he used to say it all the time. The the world's most advanced scalable metadata platform. Right. The problem is it's all in this one big ball of wax. Database, your data schema, your code, everything, and to and to be able to move that thing from one state to the other is best. It's it's essentially impossible unless you get lucky because you didn't have a rename or a something that can basically only go in one direction, not the other. I mean, there's just you know, it's just it's it, it can be very difficult. So we we got to get to some advice here because we we don't have much more time. I think we'll probably save the next one for next okay, week so we can give it proper yep. attention. Okay, that's good. Um, which is really here's here's my advice to you. Um, have a roll forward mentality. Don't really don't ever try to roll something back. Yeah. Um, really, don't have a big difference between dev and QA and what's in production. Release often. Don't even don't even have sprints or iterations. Really, just kind of try to adopt and and or some model. I'm not. 
it's not like, this is not a binary thing. There's shades of gray here. Um, just have your cycle, your development cycles be either as short as possible or almost non-existent. Like you're basically it's, you're it, it's like you know it's like the modern you know who gets credit for the stuff Etsy or Netflix or whatever. I mean they're basically just always rolling forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of monitoring, which again is not up to par on the Salesforce platform that that all these companies do that do this kind of thing that so they know almost in an automated way if what they just released has a problem like stuff starts blinking and paging people and stuff mm-hmm. right and but they just roll forward you don't roll back you just roll forward well, they and, and, and the thing is Salesforce, it's it's much easier in this again given that the biggest challenge is, is the metadata and deployment if you're making s- small changes if you're if you're deploying like basically every day or at least once a week at least once a week and this especially i mean i've done this with when i've had What's probably considered a relatively large development team, five or six people in the Salesforce world. I think that's a fairly big development team. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about multi-million budget per year at that point. People are expensive. Yeah. Um, but uh, even even once a week, I've had success in our deployments. We we got so good. I've, I've gotten to, I've had teams where we get so good um, that the deployments are almost boring. We would deploy, I think Monday, I think it was Mondays. We'd deploy mm-hmm. Monday, Monday night or something like that. And it was, it just almost was always successful. And that's quite unusual for probably most Salesforce developers. Most Salesforce developers are stuck in, they try to deploy and they're, they're, they're using their tool or whatever to pick and choose and build a change set or whatever. And you forget stuff. And then or the permissions didn't work. And, um, or they waited too long, and there's just there's so it's such a big change getting it from this one state from state A, which is in your QA or dev, to state B, or you're 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 actually and so it's in state production you have state A, and but in your dev or QA you have state B, and you want to get state B into production. Right. If that's a if there's a lot of crap involved in that, it's just way you way more surface area for stuff to go wrong. So deploy often. Try to do, try to adopt a more continuous Kanban type flow, and your life will be much easier. The tooling is not there yet, but you can do things process wise and culture wise to over to to temper that somewhat. Yeah, I, th- I think my only kind of additional guidance on that is that structuring your org, especially the, because you have a full sandbox, is to be kind of strategic about how you use that full sandbox. We we used to have two sandboxes in in a previous life. We tried to use one as kind of a break fix environment and we <laughs> and we try to use the other one as, as a QA environment. Eventually that got way too expensive. We had to consolidate down to one sandbox and that pretty much became our break fix environment. Uh, mainly because we needed ways to reproduce what was happening in production because we were SOX what was it, SOX compliance issues and all that yep. kind of stuff. So yep. no one in dev or anybody else could get access to production to reproduce errors. So we needed that. We had regular monthly intervals, but that was mainly driven by the fact that we could only refresh that one sandbox for once a month, right? But you should be able to well, with partials and re- refreshing to get back to the state of, produ- to, of production. It's such like a ghetto technique, but unfortunately, it's the rock solid technique. Yeah, and after a while, once once we had our, our processes established where no changes were made in production at all, which was also another SOX compliance thing that we had to follow. But uh, trying to drive that and make sure that everyone is participating in the flow, not just developers, and making sure that nothing is happening in production. Um, unless there's some like massive sign off that says yes, this is we have to do this because it's breaking things. It should take an act of God to make that change in production because yeah. it just it breaks everything else in the process. Yep. Anyway, <clears throat> I appreciate the question, Justin. It's it's coming from definitely the right place. You're thinking the right things. 
hopefully our advice helped a little bit. Um, but uh, feel free to follow up with if there's a follow up question. And to that, I say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're <laughs> unfortunately we're kind of there. What are we? We're about forty minutes in, so we're end up with a forty-five minute show. That's good. Um, oh, got got to do the necessary, um, which is I mentioned the Slack. We we have a very useful Slack. It's a it's a fun group. It's uh, it's our it's how we it's it's how this community um, stays in touch with each other and and helps each other out. And uh, if you're not in that Slack, you really should check it out, uh, especially after moving to. Um, what's it called? Fireside, which I still haven't been able to bust your balls about on the show yet. I'm going to do that next week. Um, I know you are. <laughs> just because it's fun. Anytime you get a chance <laughs> to do that with John, it's fun. Um, uh, you know, I can I can see that. You know, you, we see our stats, and uh, and actually, we have we have a. I mean, it's a what are we? Those are six hundred and something people now in the second. And I know a lot of them are are not as active, but it's um they're you know it, it's quite a it's quite a um. What's what's the word called uh, when you've got uh, crit- critical mass there? You know, yeah, I, I would so. say. Um, but there's a lot of you. I can tell. I know because I see the numbers. There's a lot of you that, that have not just haven't joined yet or whatever. And if you're on the fence or whatever, you should just just check it out. Um, we sure as hell don't make any money off of it. That's not what this is about. This is about just this is about you, right? Listening right now, um, you you know you might find that it's uh, a community that. It's, it's helpful and something that you need and just an outlet or whatever. Who knows? Um, but check it out. Uh, you do that by going to gooddaysurfpodcast.com. You click on community. And John has a sn- really snazzy new form, I've noticed. I will give John some kudos on that one. Although it's, you know, you're outsourcing it to whatever, yeah. my, myforms.com or whatever it is. It's type form. <laughs> type form, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, that just sends us your email address, which uh, John will use to add you to Slack. And then that email address gets destroyed because we don't, unlike a lot of these shows, which I've found out, um, sell these lists for lots of money. Um, we, we, <laughs> we, we don't do this. Not what, that's not how we operate. It's not what we're driven by. Sure. Money's great, but, um, this is not what this is. This is a discussion, an honest discussion. We want to keep it that way and not taint it with, uh, which I want to cross the streams, you know? Yeah. Is that fair enough? It's fair enough. Okay. Um, Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers that are in the Salesforce about the show. And that's just how we kind of grow this thing. And there are people who don't know about it who who um, could wouldn't probably might benefit from it, you know. Or maybe they'll just be like, "Who are these jackasses talking about penis jokes? What the <laughs> heck is this?" <laughs> it's kind of funny because I've seen people in, in in people who are like well known in the Salesforce community, MVPs and everything, on Twitter saying, "Hey, I just listened to the Good Days podcast for the first time, and what the hell is this?" <laughs> And I, <laughs> this happened a few weeks ago. I just happen to look at Twitter, which I don't do very often anymore. But I, I replied to the guy. And I'm like, because I think I actually, fo- I think I follow him. And I just, I did, you know, he, because he had never listened to the show before. And I replied to him. I said, hey, man, just like listen to one or two more episodes. Give it a chance just to see. Because we, we go down weird rat holes. And sometimes we're just, we'll talk about beer for 30 minutes, which I get it. It's probably not a lot of people's thing. Um, just kind of hang in there. You might hear, you know, you might eventually like get to know us a little bit and, and you'll see that we do talk about, you know, stuff that is germane to your interests. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but people have to know about it. That's the thing you gotta, you gotta tell people. And we don't, you know, obviously we talked about the whole, this is not commercial. We don't make any money. We obviously don't advertise, you know, there's no money there. Um, you are incapable of doing a short show. I, I am. God, it's this, uh, <laughs> it's the, it's this lubrication I've got here. So I'm going to let you, 
take a swig and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, interject and say uh, we are going to be at Trailhead or Trailhead X Trailhead oh, DX Trailhead DX. I'm trying. <laughs> I, I keep flipping between the two. Uh, we are trying to plan a happy hour. So if you want to meet us, um, get into Slack. Uh, there's a channel called Conversations. There's a poll there. Let us know what day works best for you, and we'll try to work out a best day for us all to get together and hang out and have a beer and talk shop. Awesome. Um, what else? Reviews, stars, hearts. You have the apps that they, you know, you can start and heart it. Please do all those things. I'm looking forward to DHEX. That's uh, it's kind of a a nice retreat. Yeah. It's a, and and it's also a um, there's another word. What's the um, what's the religious word? Um, a when they get together and do a um, a revival. It's a revival, John. Really? Yes. Sheesh. It's a revival. That's, I, that's, don't you think so? It's a bit too much ceremony for me. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we need to book flights because that's the only thing I don't have is a flight at this point. Yeah, same here. So well, we need to figure that out. As long as I can room with you. <laughs> you can. I haven't, I've, I'm saving the spot for you. All right. I'm saving that side of the bed for you. I heard there's competition <laughs> for that spot. So. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> You're trying to fight my ego here or what? <laughs> uh, maybe. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.